What's up, everyone? It's time for another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. App State and Coastal Carolina will square off tonight in front of a national television audience in Boone. On today's episode, we'll break the matchup down, get you up to speed on the key storylines, and make our predictions for Tuesday's games. Caden and I were excited to debut this new Midweek Mania series. We hope you enjoy it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. Midweek Mania, Caden, it's here. We had one midweek game earlier in the season, but this the official start of Midweek Mania in the Sun Belt. App State Coastal Carolina airs on ESPN2 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central tonight. Look at the broadcast team. We've got Mobile native Taylor Zarzor as well as Tom Luganville and Abby Labar on the call. Caden, when you look at this game, App State versus Coastal Carolina, the rivalry, the history, App State, they've won seven of nine games. They're 6-0 and all-time in Boone. Coastal's 2-1, and though, in the last three. Caden, uh, you've played in multiple of these games. Just talk about the history. Talk about the rivalry and how much fun it's been up to play in some of these big moments. Yeah, as far as Sunbelt ball and just playing in kind of high-stakes rivalry games, I think in my career at App State, it's hard to just overlook the Coastal Carolina rivalry that really kind of brewed and produced as I was at App State. I remember early on, Coastal Carolina was just another team that App State was beating regularly. I remember in 2019, they showed some promise on offense when we played them. They put up like 30 points in that game, but we put up 50. And it was just like this team's showing signs of getting better, but we don't know if as a program they're going to take any giant leap anytime soon. And they definitely did that in 2020 when Grayson really came into his own as their quarterback. And that team got on that amazing run that everybody saw nationally and they were doing some great stuff. And we lose to Coastal Carolina for the very first time since I'd been an app. They were a ranked team. We still thought we were going to beat them. And I think that was kind of when the rivalry started. That was when that it was like, okay, in the East, it's been App State every year. And then Coastal Carolina really stepped up to the plate in that 2020 season and showed that this is a, another, this is going to be the rivalry now that we're going to look at moving forward on the East. So it was kind of cool just to watch Coastal Carolina go from a team that was kind of chalked up as a win at App State and then eventually get to a point where now every single year we're seeing a scrap home and away weekday games. Doesn't matter. It's always an electric crowd, always an electric environment. I think both of those teams right now, there's a lot of new teams in the conference, but I think just the rivalry that was created between those teams, the first time Coastal Carolina got that win over App State really kind of solidified that, okay, these are the two teams every time you have your calendar kind of marked and you understand that App State's kind of had it for a while, but Coastal Carolina has generated a new power. And every year, you know, you're going to get a good matchup and you have to play your best because in the past, it's determined who's going to come out of the East. But now with the East being so loaded, the stakes of the rivalry haven't changed at all. But it definitely adds to just the competitive uh, competitiveness of the conference that we've been talking about all season long. Kanan, you've been a part of some big moments in this rivalry's history. You know, last week we have Michael Hughes on. He talks about that onside kick that you were a part of. I think of the goal line stand that you guys had uh, down in Conway. What stands out as kind of your favorite moment from the rivalry during your playing career? Yeah, I think for me, it's hard not to pick my uh, very last game I played against Coastal Carolina in 2021. I think this game being on a weekday similar to that game was, was just very exciting. I think coming off of covid didn't know what to expect as far as what kind of crowd you're going to get, but the App State fan base was so excited to get back into the stadiums at full capacity. So just seeing Kid Brewer Stadium packed in that environment was my favorite home game I've ever played. Like you mentioned, against Coastal Carolina arrival, we talked about Grayson McCall and that uniform combo. They were wearing that game. They looked fresh. We were a good looking team. It was on TV. The environment was there. They spotted, they take the 14-0 lead early in the game. 
we score. Michael Hughes gets an onside kick. Just an instant classic kind of game that went down to the wire. I remember Chandler Staten kicking the game-winning field goal and almost preparing myself on the sideline for overtime because it just felt like one of those games where the football guys just want to see more of these teams going back and forth as long as you can. But thankfully, we were able to pull out the win there. But it's definitely hard to pick. This game, this rivalry in the last couple of years has really created some gems really for four or five years straight. So I think when you look at my favorite, might not be Coastal Carolina's fans' favorite, might not even be an App State fan's favorite, just looking back. But you can always guarantee this is going to be a good game and really excited for this one to be kind of another instant classic probably. Early this season, Caden, when you look at the storylines for these two programs, for me it screams the biggest one to talk about is that the fact that the Sun Belts in general is really catching up to these two teams. It's been kind of a combination maybe of strong additions to the league. You think of the Marshalls, the James Madisons. You've also got some of those old teams, the Troys, the South Alabamas, even Georgia Southern, who's a big rival of App State that we've seen a lot of improvement from lately. Um, Caden, right now it feels like it's harder now for these teams compared to maybe in the past to win football games. Is that fair? Yeah, it's definitely fair. I think when you look at this rivalry specifically, talked about it. We remember when Coastal Carolina, we remember when App State was the team that was kind of the shoe in to get into the East. The Southern rivalry was always a big rivalry, but you knew kind of that was never for a while the kind of game that impacted if App State was going to be in that conference championship stage. And you see Coastal Carolina get better. Then Louisiana comes the cross rival from the other division in the West. Then Coastal Carolina and UL really at the same time got big. But now you're looking at it, there's far more than one contender, two contenders, or three contenders in this conference. And I think it just elevates the stakes of games like this even more. And it's obviously great for the entire conference. The fact that week in and week out now, between new additions to the conference, paired with teams that have just gotten better and better and better over the years, whether that's Southern, whether that's Georgia State, whether that's all the teams in the West that have kind of taken a step up to a conference or the side of the conference, rather, that we thought was kind of going to be a two-horse race and now is an open one. I think it's just great for the conference. And I think it's not great as an App State fan to feel like you have to beat more teams or a Coastal fan or a UL fan. You have to beat more teams and it's different competition to get to where you want to go. But the product is undeniable. The Sunbelt ball is at the highest it's been. And I think rivalry games during the week are almost accentuated by it, just knowing. I know every team now in the conference has their eyes on these games during the weekdays because they know they all matter. They impact them. They impact each other. So just another high stakes rivalry and another testament really to this conference being able to grow and be probably the most formidable, I think, in the group of five. Well, Ken, you know as well as I do, winning a two-edged sword at this level, I think of just the teams that you were talking about. Billy Napier, now the head coach at Florida. You think of you know Eli Drinkwitz, who was an early coach at App State. You think of all the coordinator turnover. You think of Jamie Chadwell, who's now at Liberty. You win at this level, and you're going to see turnover, and that's affecting some of these teams at the top right now. It definitely is. I think that's just what comes with being not only a good program, but now we're seeing it kind of trickle down to the entire conference. I was used to coaching turnover app, had three different head coaches, had four or five different safety coaches. So you're used to that and it comes with success. But the fact that teams that are able to do this now and sustain it, add new success with additions of Coach Kinney and what he's doing to Texas State and things like that. It's really just almost like it's not a transfer portal for, for coaches per se, but you're just seeing talent, whether it's at the coaching level where it's at the player level, you're seeing it elevate year after year after year in the conference. And I think now the conference is kind of just getting used to being able to turn over and produce winning teams, good players consistently. So I think it's almost a good problem to have. You wish that you could keep some of these coaches and maybe see some old school type of dynasties where you have one coach for a long time that can really sustain success for a team. But the fact that the Sunbelt Conference across the league and see different players, different quarterbacks, different coaches, different systems and schemes continue to stay tried and true and see that level of ball not only maintain itself, but get better. You'd love to see it as a football fan. you love to see it as a Sunbelt fan. I'm just very curious to see now going forward 
when the offseason comes around and these teams do have coaches that are getting offered opportunities, what is that going to look like in the future? And what is the future of the conference going to look like? Can it continue kind of to evolve and get better despite kind of the, the way college football working being you kind of go for that next job if you are a head coach? Well, Caden, I don't know about you, but that feels like enough high-level matchup talk here. Are you ready to jump in and talk some of these position battles in this game? Oh, yeah, let's do it, man. Well, let's start by talking about that quarterback position, Caden, because when you look at these two quarterbacks, Grayson McCall and Joey Aguilar, you kind of have some similarities in their games. Both have kind of dealt with turnover issues this year. Let's start and talk about Grayson McCall. He's the three-time Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year. He has not been the same player in Tim Beck's offense this year. He's thrown a career high in interceptions, just six touchdown completions through five games. Caden, what are you seeing right now from Grayson? I'm seeing a quarterback who still obviously has all the tools, all the physical makeup, all the stuff that's made him great and made him the three-time player of the year that we've seen in the past. I think we've just seen so much more of him in this other system, and now we're seeing him in a new system with just five games under his belt. He's talked to us, and we know that he's expressed being more comfortable in the system, but just the numbers and the production aren't matching it. The four-interception game against Georgia Southern was definitely an alarming, and I think he obviously still has the skill set, the talent to get it done, but I think in this new scheme, we're just not seeing him reap the benefits as far as not only wins and losses of this team getting it, but just their offense being able to move the chains effectively and get the ball in the ends on the way they needed to in the past. I think their rushing attack hasn't helped him a ton in the second halves of games. They've shown up, but it hasn't necessarily been there for him front to back. And I think his weapons, we know he has all the receiving cores at his disposal, but I think the fact that they just can't get into the end zone, can't outscore their opponents is just a new a new issue that we haven't seen this quarterback or this offense have in a while. So you're hoping he can continue to get more comfort in this new system. But I think the fact that his most recent game is one of the worst of his career with the four interceptions is just something the Coastal fans aren't used to. I'm sure he's not used to it either. I probably, he probably hasn't had a four interception game in his entire career playing football. You just look at his entire body of work. So I think they have some stuff to figure out as far as getting the ball better into the end zone. But I think as far as he goes, Grayson McCall individually, he's still one of the best distributors in the conference at getting the ball to his talent, his weapons. It's just a matter of getting that into the end zone more so and getting him more protected and comfortable back there because we've also seen the pass rush impact that as well. So it's just about him getting more comfortable, I think, because he still is the same Grayson McCall we've seen in the past. Now, on the other side, Caden, for App State, you've got Joey Aguilar, who's at a completely different stage of his career. He was thrust into action back in week one when Ryan Berger injured his finger. Caden, he's completed 60% of his passes this year, 13 total touchdowns when you add in his passing and his rushing numbers. But he has thrown an interception in his last four games, including two last week against ULM. What's your kind of read right now on Joey Aguilar and where he is at in terms of his progression? I think he's progressing great. I think his comfort in the offense at times almost looks a little bit more comfortable than Grayson's looking in his own scheme. And I think right now when you look at Joey, He's been dazzling. He's a great down-the-field passer. He's using all of the weapons to his disposal. The tight ends are getting involved as well. So their offense runs very efficiently and smoothly. With him, he just always has, it seems, in these games, one or two plays, whether it's a fumble, a turnover, an interception, just a bad decision that you're going to get. So I think it's really about him limiting those bad decisions. Like Grayson is a threat with his legs as well and has been effective in that area too. But I think for him, we talked about it with Cam Fancher as well in the past. When you're a winning team and you're blowing teams out, the interceptions can kind of get sweeped under the rug. But when you're in close games, when you're 41-40 win against ULM, you look back and you're like, okay, what could we have done better? You're going to look at those turnovers. Same goes for the Wyoming game. Same goes for the North Carolina game where he threw an interception. So I think for him, his deficiencies are stuff you can clean up. Same for Grayson. I think he's a little bit more behind the eight ball just because he kind of has this 
offensive system that he's run in the past, that scheme kind of instilled in him for years and years. Joey is newer to the system, so he kind of can operate in a different kind of mindset and space. I think for him, it's just about limiting those turnovers and maybe having instead of two or three errant throws in a game, some bad decisions, just get that late game decision making, especially. I think that's where his key is going to be as well as in late games. Can he be that guy where we don't have to hold our breath on some of these throws when a team needs to get into the end zone like App State does at times? Okay, and is it fair in this matchup to kind of say that the running game is is really the key? I mean, I think of Nate Noel for App State. You think of Bennett, guys like you know White and others for Coastal Carolina. Is that a huge aspect of this quarterback matchup is how good the running backs can play? It definitely is because we have seen deficiencies in their games. We see the turnover problems happen. We see some of the decision-making on late downs when these teams have to kind of put on these quarterbacks rather have to put on their Superman cape and really make some things happen in some third and long situations. So if their running game can get going and keep them ahead of the chains, ahead of the line of scrimmage and the eight ball, as far as that goes, it'll definitely make both of these quarterbacks play better. I think if we were talking about prime Brace and McCall, we knew he wasn't going to turn the ball over and he was going to ultimately get his team in the end zone late in games to win him with his arm or his legs. You probably wouldn't have to worry as much about the rushing attack. But now that we're seeing this coastal offense have some deficiencies and we're seeing and I love what I've seen, especially from that three headed monster running back room late in games in the second half. If he can get that in the first half, we can maybe see Grayson get more comfortable, see some of those interceptions go down. And for Joey, I think him having the consistent force of Nate Noel throughout the season, Mikel Haywood as well, Amani Marshall back in the lineup, that's only going to help him, too. So I think it's definitely a big key for this game as far as what these guys are going to get from their backfields behind them. Hey, I knew I'd mess up at least once today. I did want to mention Reese White has not played this season, talking about guys like Bennett and Beasley and Balthazar back there for Coastal Carolina, but still a really good running back room for the Shauna Clears. Caden, defensively, and you have you know unique credentials to talk about this, I feel like the most important of aspect of this game is the respective secondaries. Both of these units got exposed in their last games. App State gave up 268 yards and four touchdowns to ULM. Funderburk is playing well, though. He has an interception in his last two games. On the other side for Coastal, they give up 322 yards and three touchdowns to Davis Brin and the Eagles of Georgia Southern. He's coming off his second straight game, you know, without an interception, or they are rather. Uh, they've given up six, or they had six in their first three games this year. Caden, uh, you need to see some better play from both of these secondaries coming off the bye week, right? You definitely have to, and I'm afraid the challenge for them is not going anywhere as far as the respective receiving cores that both of these units have to face. I mean, we talk about the weapons in this conference, and you have a lot of good ones at App State and at Coastal Carolina as far as the different body size, speed, and athleticism that they can work with with the wide receiving room. You think for App State, the last time we saw their secondary, they just got abused by big weapons at ULM that were catching 50-50 balls. We all know Tyrone Howell is capable of that. We know Coastal Carolina has guys that are capable of that as well. So I think from an App State standpoint, it's more so, can we hold up in man coverage? Can our corners on the outside take care of business? Can our safeties play great assignment football to where we're not giving up deep balls? And I think for Coastal Carolina, it comes more into the scheme. This new defensive scheme has kind of been, I think it's been effective as far as this team getting better in the secondary. We know that was a huge weakness for them last year as far as giving up a ton of passing yards per game. They've definitely cut that down a little bit. They've been able to create some turnovers, but I ultimately think when your offense isn't helping you as well, that definitely impacts both of these secondaries. I don't think any of these teams necessarily defensively are built for shootouts, but they've kind of been thrusted into them, especially when you see Coastal Carolina have to play Georgia Southern. It's just not fun as a defender knowing you're going to play a kind of air raid scheme. And then when you're an App State team, you think you're going to play a team that's not going to run that air raid scheme and they get the best of you in your last last game. So I think both of these secondaries probably have had a really 
detailed bye week as far as looking at what they need to do to get better from the last week. So I expect them all to take a step up. But I ultimately think as well, it's going to be hard to take a step up given the weapons on each receiving core that we've seen and what they've been able to do this year. Caden, is there a Coastal Carolina player maybe outside of who we've talked about that you've got your eyes on in this matchup? In the secondary, definitely. I think when you look at this secondary and its improvement, a lot of it has to do with the turnovers. And we saw Isabel at the safety spot get three of those interceptions in for the UCLA game, but he wasn't necessarily able to kind of build on that this season. So I want to see Clayton Isabel maybe replicate some of the stuff we saw in that UCLA game where he was getting his hands on some interceptions. I think if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be this guy. He's still the guy on their team is that that's the only one outside of two other players that have gotten an interception. So I'm really looking at Clayton Isabel in this one, maybe from his safety spot to make an impact. He's going to have a big matchup, I think, against Deshaun Davis across from him and other Coastal Carolina wide receivers. We know, like to, we, we know they like to move their guys around. So I think Clayton Isabel, big game, and this one would be huge, I think, for Coastal Carolina. Yeah, Kane, I think for me, you know, same type of question. Uh, it's got to be Nick Ross. I, I mean, he's come up with some big plays in his career and some big games for App State. I think he's a guy to sleep, you know, to watch in this game. Has an interception already this year. He's going to have a tough matchup as well against this really good Coastal Carolina receiving core. Well, Caden, all we've got left to do in this episode, let's make some picks. App a six-point favorite at home. Uh, you played at App State, Caden. You've been a part of multiple of these big games. How are you leaning here in this latest matchup between the Mountaineers and the Chanticleers? Yeah, I'm going to take App State to win this one. I do think Coastal Carolina covers. I think when you look at Coastal Carolina, their backs are against the wall. This is two straight losses that they've suffered from East opponents. They really cannot afford to have another loss against App State. So I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink in this one. They're going to do everything they can to win. I think it might, we might see some Red River rivalry stuff that we saw over last weekend where we might see some fakes, some different plays just to generate some offense and get that must-win kind of mentality going. But I think ultimately, like I mentioned before, my last memory when I was playing a weekday game at Kid Brewer Stadium against this team. It's a hostile environment. And I think if this team would have maybe played better in Statesboro in another hostile environment, I feel more confident in Coastal Carolina. But just given App State's home field advantage in this one and the fact that they have shown promise, I think, more as a team completely in the last two weeks compared to this Coastal Carolina team, I'm going to go with App State to win. I'm going to go with Coastal covering, though, and I'm going to take the over on the points, whatever it is, because I know both of these offensive attacks will probably be gunning to get some improvement going in these defenses, despite how much they, may, they might want to improve in the secondary, might not be able to get their way just given how many weapons and how much talent there is at the skill positions in this matchup. Okay, and here's my thoughts. When you look at a matchup, you always look at the team that has more to play for. Right now, for me, that's Coastal Carolina. A loss all but eliminates them from the SBC title contention. And it could even make getting to a bowl game more challenging. Uh, Grayson McCall has had some big games against App State in his career. He's been hearing it for the last couple of weeks. He has a big game in this one. Coastal's defense takes advantage of some Joey Aguilar mistakes. I'm taking them by a, a touchdown in the game. What's your thoughts there? I could see either team winning this one. I think it goes back to the level of talent in this conference. And I think this is a game, a star-studded matchup, where you could see either team winning. And I think we have a couple games, I think, circled this year as far as, okay, the JMU matchup we had early in the season against the South Alabama team. We saw Texas State and even UL going after. I think it's going to be another one of those games where either team can win it. Who's going to want it more? Who's going to be more physical? Who's going to be more willing to pull out all the stops to get an important conference win that we know you don't buy conference wins in this conference now. Everyone matters, and I think it's just going to be a dogfight regardless. I can see either team definitely coming away with a win here. That's it for this episode. We really appreciate you joining us today. Like always, if you enjoyed the show, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show. We hope everyone enjoys the games. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>